right. Um, tonight we wrap up our look at what it means um, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and filled with the Holy Spirit. And we're going to be talking about filling of the Holy Spirit tonight. But um, we've given out a couple handouts, and so I've got a couple leftovers. This is the list that compares baptism and filling of the Holy Spirit. I have a couple of those. They might needed that. And I have one more I'll give you at the end tonight, because, uh, you know, if things go like they usually go, we won't get done. And so that way you'll have it. <laughs> I know, I appreciate that. Um, let's pick up. We uh, started week one, and, and we talked, we actually talked for three weeks about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we talked about how important it is to make sure that as we um, take a look at the way our lives work, that we make sure we understand that um, we become people of the Word. In other words, what God's Word says is where we have to get the answers to these kind of questions, where we have to get our understanding from. And so in religious circles, uh, I said that Satan loves to, to elevate things to the same level of Scripture. And one of the things that he has been very, very good at is elevating what we call experience. And so people will say, you know, well, I've had this experience, and so this has got to be right. Well, no, you might have just had an experience. Um, it may not necessarily be right, and it's never right if it doesn't line up with God's Word. It's your experience. Okay, that's fine. But the question always with any religious experience is, does it line up with God's Word? It is that simple, and it is that complicated. And to understand God's Word, you interpret God's Word in light of God's Word. In other words, you take the Bible as a total package and you look and you have to do some cross-referencing and you have to really dig in sometimes. And so we live in a world where bad theology really is very prevalent within the walls of the church. Um, uh, you know, in, in the tribe that I have grown up in, Southern Baptist, we have done our best to, to uh, mess things up um, theologically. Uh, and we're continuing to still do a great job of that. And so those battles continue on. Um, and, but every denomination is that way. It's, it's not, um, we haven't cornered the market on that. We're just the biggest. Um, but we gave you this definition, and this is, comes out of God's word as far as you know, what we see about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's the working of God by which the trusting, believing sinner is placed into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit at the very moment of their conversion. All that simply means is that when you come to know Christ, you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. You get all the Holy Spirit you're going to get. When he shows up, we looked at that. We've talked about that for three weeks. We even looked last week at one of those outlier passages where people will use that to debate, you know, and it's out of the book of Acts of, of, okay, but what does this mean? You know, and think they've got It's a gotcha moment. And it's not a gotcha moment. It's easily explained. And we did that last week. But now tonight we talk about the, the filling or the indwelling of the spirit. And this is a continuous work of the spirit and is focused on His presence in the follower. In other words, once the Holy Spirit lives in you, you then will go through moments in your life where you will have that second filling, that third filling, that fourth filling. What is happening in that moment? Did the Spirit leave and come back? No. It just means in those moments, think of it as the Spirit being unleashed in your life. Um, we said it this way a few weeks ago. Um, when you become a follower of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit living in you is standard um, is, 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 I mean, it's, it's standard, it's your standard operating procedure. I mean, it is, it is your, um, what you get. I mean, that's what happens. And so the filling of the spirit is 
an ongoing process, and there have been many of you in this room who have felt the Holy Spirit work in your life in powerful ways at different times, and then other times where, eh, not so much. <laughs> and, and so that is the, the ongoing quest of, of what it means um, to be a follower in some ways. Last week I asked the question, why do we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And I went through a couple of passages real quick, real quick that basically laid out the fact that um, the Bible tells us to do things that really, if we're left to our own devices, we can't do by ourselves. I read to you uh, Ephesians 4, 2, where it says, be completely humble and gentle. I can't do that. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. You know, if I get to humble right, it's not going to be gentle. And if I'm gentle, I ain't going to be humble about it. I'm gentle. Look at me. Um, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says this, uh, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. Well, uh, if I was praying without ceasing, I couldn't really talk right now, could I? <laughs> couldn't happen. <laughs> how am I going to do that? How can I pray and talk at the same time? Can't do it. Can't multitask. I'm not really good at that. So, again, how am I going to achieve that? Can't happen, yet the Bible tells me I'm supposed to do it. Hmm, have a problem, right? Uh, 2 Corinthians 10, 5 says, Take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You ever have a wacky thought? <laughs> you make it obedient to Jesus? If not, you sinner, why not? I can't do that. I mean, I, I got, you know, I, you know I'm, I'm good for at least a dozen wacky thoughts a day. Now, again, you know, I, I you know, sometimes I enjoy them. I'll just be honest with you. It's, you know, some kind of, you know, I mean, sin and wacky thoughts can, you know, I, I don't know every thought. That's what the Bible says. Take every thought and make it captive. How in the world do you do that? Um, Matthew five forty four says, do good to those who hate you <laughs> and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Well, yeah, right. That's going to happen. I mean, I'm good at that. I mean, so in other words, this answers the question. I'm commanded in the Bible to do some things that I just can't do. I can't measure up. Which means that the Holy Spirit has to do some work in me. And that's where um, we pick up. And so, if we're going to live at this next level, if we're going to be this follower of Jesus, if we're going to be this best version of ourselves, um, we have to allow the Spirit to work and have the place that He wants in our life. We got the Holy Spirit when we came to know Christ. So we've been baptized in the Spirit. He's there. So is He working? And that becomes uh, the real issue. How do we allow Him to work? I, I said that there are people who come to church, and there's different groups. First, there are those who come to church who don't know the Lord at all. Okay? They are lost. We use the word lost in church life. Uh, pagan is a word we like to use because it sounds mean. You're pagan. <laughs> pagan. Um, I, I started calling them missing a few years ago, um, I felt like we ought to put their pictures on milk cartons. Um, they're just missing. They're just not where they belong. You know, uh, they're creating the image of God, but they don't belong to God. So they're missing. Let's put them on a milk carton and just be done with it. Um, because we need to get them back. I mean, so it, it's, it's, but they don't know, this Holy Spirit doesn't live in them. And they, they, that's one group that comes. The second group that comes are people who are Christians. The Holy Spirit lives within them, but they've never given the Holy Spirit control over their life. The Bible would talk about them um, and maybe call them carnal. And carnal Christians really are a thing. Paul dealt with that. Um, basically, it means that someone who knows enough, belongs to God, but really isn't allowing God 
to do what they need to do. And some people get mad about that. They go, well, they don't really know God. Well, they just don't know him very well. Well, that would be living better. Well, yes, I completely agree. But, I mean, I didn't create the categories. And it's God's problem to sort them out. So carnal it is, which means, and here's, you know, and good thing y'all are here on Wednesday night because I'm not talking about you. But I've been doing church a long, long time. I would venture to say there are a whole lot of carnal believers that go to church and not a whole lot happens in their life. Now, again, I'm not talking about you. You're here on Wednesday night. You're spiritual. You're, you're the most spiritual one. <laughs> Matter of fact, when you walk out of here, white smoke will be coming out of the top of the roof because God's been fresh. That's Pete's fog Oh, yeah, that's your fog machine, Pete. That's a fog smoke. Yeah. You know, and, and to see, that's the great thing. When you come out here on Face of Fear Nights and you see that white smoke come, we're a Catholic event. <laughs> we're just picking new popes out there. That's all we're doing. Oh, yeah. Huh? Gonna I got a hat. I got a hat. It's, oh, I, it's my pope hat. I'm going to be driving my pope sickle. Anyway, um, then the third group, the third group that comes on a Sunday, they have, they have consciously, knowingly, willingly given their lives over to the Holy Spirit's control. Um, they live every day with the knowledge that there is a power within them that comes from somewhere that's not their own creation. They're energized by something that is deeper than anything they can muster on their own. Um, and so if you ever come to the place where the Holy Spirit has control of your life, you will have more days as a believer that will be marked by discouragement and defeat, and it was never intended to be that way. I think one of the most tragic things in the world that can happen is for a follower of Christ to live a defeated, discouraged life. That's <laughs> so we got everything to be hopeful for. Um, we got the answers. And God's done the heavy lifting. Uh, it's that old, old, old joke about the guy that bought the chainsaw. He bought the chainsaw from the hardware store. He went, took it home, came back um, the next day and said, you know, I don't like this any better than my other one. And why? It just doesn't cut as much. He goes, it just doesn't cut any better. And he goes, I paid a lot of money for it. I would like my money back. And the guy said, well, let's see what's wrong with it. And he fired it up. And the guy goes, what's that noise? <laughs> you know, and the Holy Spirit lives in your life, and you never <laughs> unleash the chainsaw. You never unleash him. You never get him working. Then that's a problem, okay? That becomes the problem. And I, my fear is... Um, that we're trying to sometimes live our Christian existence outside of the power of the Holy Spirit. And when we do that, I can tell you, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that we will fail and we will struggle. The command that Jesus gives us is in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. If you have your Bibles, um, look it up. If not, shout out because you memorized it. What is it? 518. Uh-huh. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, don't be drunk with wine. That'll ruin your life. Don't be drunk with wine. But uh, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I got to tell you about that because this verse is really, really important. And so when I say it's really, really important, here's what I mean by that it's really important. <laughs> Ephesians 5.18 uses this phrase, be filled. And so here is your Greek lesson for the night. I want you to know I went to seminary. Didn't learn a lot, but I did get to class. And so there are times where 
we get wonky in understanding Scripture because we really don't understand Scripture. This is one of those verses. Now, we all got the whole front part of this verse, right? Anybody not understand, don't be drunk? <laughs> don't we need to parse that out for anybody? I mean, you know, it kind of it pretty well says it, right? I mean, don't be drunk. I mean, I, you know, okay. Um, uh, and, 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 and some translations, maybe it's the King James, says, which leads to debauchery. Is that what it says? Leads to debauchery. Debauchery is an awesome, awesome word. No one knows what it means. But if you just throw it sometimes, people will walk away because they don't know what to do with it. So if someone asks you a question you don't have the answer, just go, debauchery. They don't know if you're cussing at them. What you do is you're talking King James. So it's an awesome word to throw. Um, and it's biblical. So, I mean, you really can't go wrong with it. So just throw debauchery. Uh, that's our theme for Face of Fear next year, debauchery. Um, but don't be drunk with wine. Um, but be filled with the Spirit. Let me tell you about four things in that phrase, be filled. First of all, the, it is a command, by the way. It is a command. And it is a command in the imperative mood. In other words, by that, it is not optional. The text says, be filled. It isn't something you have to sit around and ponder for weeks and weeks and weeks. It's not one of those faraway goals that you say, well, one day I'm going to set my goal being filled with the Holy Spirit on the hazy horizon of my life. The Word of God gives this command to every believer. No matter who we are, no matter how long we've been saved, we are commanded to be filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit. This word, this phrase, is in an imperative mood. That's first. Second of all, it is in the plural rather than the singular form in the Greek. Why is that important? Because it's a reminder that the commandment is for all of us, not just one of us. Okay? So not only is it an imperative mood, it also is plural, meaning it applies to every one of us in the room. No one is exempt from that. It's not just for me. It is for all of us. They're not special instructions for super giants or super saints or people who go to the right church or the wrong church. It is for everyone who is a follower of God. It is something that you must do. It's plural. It's for all of us. No excuse not to do it. It's a command. It's for all of us. Third, it's also in the passive voice. That's important. Because that means that the object has something acting upon it from the outsides. In other words, you aren't commanded to fill yourself. You're commanded to be filled, but that source of the filling is coming from outside of you. Now, again, it gets a little wonky because we're talking about the Holy Spirit living in you. I got it. But in other words, it's coming from God. It's God doing His work in you. It's not you creating it. Um, So it's the passive voice. And then fourth, it's in the present tense. Unlike the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which only happens once in a believer's life, the filling of the Holy Spirit is a repeated event. In essence, this text is saying, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. That is as accurate a translation from the Greek that I can give you. Be being filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, it is a constant command. You are to constantly be being filled with the Holy Spirit. And so sometimes when we cherry pick verses and we don't really understand what they mean, it can get us into a little bit of trouble and confuse us just a bit. 
But that command is wildly essential in understanding what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so, um, it's an ongoing process. It's constantly happening in life. And so, part of this is, is coming back to what we understand about Christian growth, right? Transformation is a process. And that process doesn't happen unless you're constantly being filled and the Spirit's constantly working in you and changing you from the inside out. This is an ongoing uh, process that happens in the life of all believers, which is why that whole mentality about, you know, once I get saved, I get my ticket for heaven, I'm done, is so wrong. And it is counterintuitive what Jesus was saying when he said, I come that they might have life abundant. Abundant life doesn't start when you die and they put you in the dirt and you take a dirt nap. Abundant life starts in the here and the now, in this moment. The moment that you become a follower of Christ, the Holy Spirit moves into you, and from then on, you should be constantly be dealing with the indwelling and the filling uh, of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Um, and so, how does that happen? Well, let's, let me give you a list. Well, I'm going to give them to you fast. We'll get all, maybe we'll get done. Um, the first thing that has to happen, and this is going to sound crazy, is you have to desire to be filled with the Spirit. In other words, you have to have the desire to have this happen in your life. Uh, I'll be frank with you. A lot of people come to know God's because they don't want to go to hell. After that, they don't have anything to do with God. They just want to know, am I saved? Saving you, saving you is the easy part. I mean, Jesus has already done heavy lifting on that. Getting you to desire to change and become like him. Oh, that's a day in, day out process. That's why you need the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus says, it's better if I'm not with you. So I can send one who will be in you and dwell in you and send you the comforter. Um, a good football coach would tell his team, guys, you got to want it. You got to want it. Um, but there is always a gravitational pull in our lives toward mediocrity. <laughs> it is. We just, we, we just do. I mean, um, you know, I, I, you know I've been, again, I've been doing this a long time. I know the way it works. Um, Somebody will, you know, take sermon notes on Sunday, shove it in the back of the Bible, they never engage the passage again. They never engage what we talk about on Sunday morning. Uh, I give them a now what? Nah, I ain't, do, I ain't doing that now what? Why? Well, I know better. Better than what? You know, I had somebody walk to me one Sunday morning. I'm not going to tell you who it was because you know who they are. <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm not doing your silly now what's. I said, okay, that's fine. Come close. What are you doing that's better? <laughs> gave me this look like, well, how dare you call me out? I'm like, well, I'm waiting. Then I have an answer. I said, well, I guess y'all do now what then? And I just went on to the next person. I mean, I, I just like, I, you know, I, you know, I can, I can, you know, I can, I can tap dance with anybody. And then so, you know, it, I. There has to be a desire to get it right. You know, here's... here's Sorry I said that. I know. I wasn't going to say it was you, but since we're going to back the bus up and back over you again, you know. uh, It really wasn't David. It wasn't David Bauer. He asked me something else, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. Uh, Some people, I mean, they just don't want it. They just don't want it. 
You know, it's that whole, I have a nickel's worth of God, please. You know, don't give me too much. Don't get don't too serious about God and His Holy Spirit working in my life. And I might get wacky. I mean, I might, some, I could jump a pew. We don't have pews here. I might raise my hands and worship. Wouldn't that be odd? For some, you ever watch somebody watch and worship and the Spirit's starting to move on them, but they've just, they've never been in the habit of singing and lifting their hands and praising God. It's almost like that they've got, a, they've got like an arm, arm wrestling match going on. Hold up that TV. I mean, it's the craziest thing in the world to watch somebody do that. You know, and you don't have to do it, by the way. This, this don't make you any closer to God. This don't make you any closer to God. This means touchdown if you're a Dolphin fan. Uh, but it, 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 it you got to want it, though. You got to want it. Um, and if you desire, and here's what I know. If you desire to know God, I'm a better preacher. <laughs> I have to work as hard because you're already coming in wanting whatever God has for you that day. Michael doesn't have to pick a better song list. Because you're going to encounter God through whatever song No Name Band uses on that Sunday, if you desire it. But you can sit there like a bullfrog and just, you know, cross your arms and be puffed up and look like you've just been drinking vinegar. And, 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 and you know what? I'm not going to do it. You can't make me. We, uh, well, praise God. You're going to be on the back row. I, I, you know, but but I, I, I've often... I've often prayed for folks like that. You guys won't remember this. This dates me. Um, but if you're a music fan, you're going to know. You've heard the name Leon Patilla. He's had a song, Dance Children Dance. There are some people that I cannot wait to get to heaven and stand next to them when Leon Patilla starts singing Dance Children Dance and go, okay, let me see it now. <laughs> see, I waited all, all, your, all your earthly life to see it. I want to see it now. You know, you, I mean, because they're going to do it. They're going to dance when they get there. Might as well, you know, move a little bit now. But, but we, we, we get careless with the things of God. And so the desire, right, it starts with a holy hunger. And if you don't have a holy hunger in your heart, then you're never going to move to a different level spiritually. And that's where most people bog down because the truth of the matter is they don't have a holy hunger in their heart for the things of God. John 7, 37 through 39, we started with this verse. Um, Can you feel, when you hear this verse, just listen to this verse. And feel the words that vibrated that hot in the air on that hot afternoon in Jerusalem. On that last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and cried out, saying, If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But he spoke this concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit wasn't yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. The invitation Jesus gave that day, they didn't even understand. He said, if anyone thirsts. Man, if you are thirsty. If you desire it, if you want it, it's yours. Psalm 42.2 says, My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? If you desire it, it can happen. Now you say, well, you're 
you're just hammering this first point, right? Yeah, I am. Because this is the one that most of us can't get over. We just don't want it. You know, you go back to athletics, you know, you guys know I ran track. You know, I, I was, I, and I've told you this before, I was not the most talented guy out there, but I wanted it more than anybody else. I was the first one at practice. I was the last one to leave practice. Nobody wanted it more than me. I wanted it so bad I could taste it. And if I didn't win, if I didn't get it, I was mad. Not at the world, mad at me. Because I knew when I walked off the track, there was something more I could have done. There was another drill I could have done. There was another moment that I could have done something else. There was something else that I had to own and be responsible for because I wanted this that badly. Yeah, I desire it. I'm, I'm going to give you a gift tonight. I'm going to give it to you, and, and I want you to share it with other people. It's a gift that needs to be shared. I'm going to give you the secret of happiness. I am. You meet people all the time. What do you want? I want to be happy. Don't you know people that want that? They want that in their life. I'm going to give you the secret of happiness. As a pastor, I've had people come to me and say, Jeff, I just, I just, I just, I want to get that place in my Christian life where I would be happy. Jesus actually gave us the answer to that question. So it's not really a secret, but it's just kind of a secret because we're just too dumb to understand what he's saying. Jesus gave us the secret to happiness. He says, you'll be happy when you hunger and thirst for righteousness. When you hunger and thirst for righteousness, and you have that holy hunger, you will make discoveries in your life, and you'll get up every day looking for the things that God is doing. You will be happy. You want to know how I can guarantee you won't be happy? Don't hunger and thirst for righteousness. You ever meet somebody, I'm just so unhappy. You know why? See, you think it's circumstances. Nope. It's a hunger problem. It's a thirst problem. And at the end of the day, when you start cutting through all of the layers of the gunk and the junk that people carry in their life, that's where you end up. And so, I've given you the secret of happiness. Actually, Jesus did. I was just sharing it with you. Second thing, dedicate yourself fully to Christ. If you want to be filled, you've got to start with desire. But if you want him to control your life, you've got to dedicate yourself completely to following him. No strings attached. Do you want to be the version of you that God created you to be? Or do you want to create yourself in the image of some other version that you have seen that someone has told you about, that you have looked at, that you've seen on television, that the culture has told you, that some friend told you about? Or do you want to be the best version of you, the version that you were created to be? To get there, you have to dedicate yourself fully to Jesus. If not, you are wide open for anything and everything that anyone will suggest to you. And don't kid yourself, it happens in our culture all the time right now. It's one of those things that we are battling the culture and we're going to continue to battle in the culture because until you dedicate yourself to becoming the best version of you and you let Jesus be the standard for that, 
you're never going to find the fulfillment and joy that you need. I recently had uh, an email exchange with someone who was going to trans to, to was going to um, gender altering surgery. They heard something that we said on a Sunday. I had offended them. Um, they were convinced that what I said was hateful, and I hated them. And um, I, I and I, so my first response back is why Why do you care what I think? Why are you even listening? I mean, I, I don't know where we're going with this. But they emailed me back, which is weird. <laughs> okay, well, here we go. Um, and um, so that's when they told me they were getting ready to go through surgery. And what did I think about that? And I wrote them back. I said, seriously? That's the question you want to ask? That's the question you want to ask? Really? That's the question you want to ask, and I just signed it. Love, Jeff. That was my that was my response back. They emailed me again, um, and I felt a little bit bad because at that point they had taken the bait, and I was just I was starting to reel them in. And so I finally asked a question. And this is a question I asked in the email. I said, "Let me ask you a question." I said, "You know," I said, "I I will pray for you as you go through surgery. If you're going to have this gender altering surgery done, that's great, because you're convinced." that you are not happy how you are right now. I said, just something to think about. What will you do after the surgery? And you're still not happy with the way you are now. What will you do then? I haven't heard back. Don't know if I will. But it's not a question. Because here's the problem. I know that trapped within my body, I'm not how I'm supposed to be. Well, you figure that out on your own. Okay. And so if you change and become something different, you were smart enough to do that on your own. You were smart enough to figure out something that God couldn't have. And you're wondering why there's no fulfillment and no joy and no peace and no security. And it's heartbreaking and it's heart-wrenching. But at the end of the day, here's what I know based on the email. No one in this person's world loved them enough to ask them the question that I asked them that they won't now write me back on. Nobody. Everybody around them encouraged them, cheered for them, made sure they had friends and support groups around them. But no one loved him enough to ask him a question. And it's not a tough question. See, because you have to decide, what do you desire? If you're a follower, if you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit lives in you. Do you desire to be the best version of the person that God created you to be and has written the script for you? If you desire that, Then you look in the mirror and you take inventory of the standard package that God has given you. And that becomes your starting point. And that person looking back at you then is the person that God has said, this is where you are, this is how you start, this is what you become. 
And he says, trust me. Trust me. And so, for the Spirit to be filled with the Spirit, you have to desire. And then you have to depend daily on the Spirit. Galatians 5.16 says, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Well, what does it mean to walk in the Spirit? Well, think about it. (laughs) When you walk, you put your leg on one leg and then the next leg, right? I mean, you have to kind of put one foot in front of the other. Step. And when you put your weight on the one foot, you're depending upon that to hold you, right? And then you take the next step. And so when you walk in the Spirit then you are depending each step that God is there and He is going to support you and He is going to catch you and He's going to be there when you put your foot down. And then you take the next step. See, so walking in the Spirit means that you then will depend on Him to get you where you need to be and each step of the way that He's going to be there and be involved and be around you and do what He needs um, to do. And so, when you do that, then all of a sudden you find out that you are um, engaged in becoming something that is bigger and, and even better than you ever thought you could be. And so, you want to depend on Him every day. That means you don't want to quench the Spirit. You don't... Um, Want to grieve the Holy Spirit? You know, that's a whole different kind of conversation we could have later on, but we're not going to have it tonight. Uh, And now let me give you a rapid-fire list, and we'll be done. Because if you will do this, if you will do those things that we just said, and allow that to start happening in your life, then all of a sudden there are consequences or things that will happen in your world because you are being filled with the Spirit. Here they are. There will be a different way of speaking. Um, in other words, uh, Colossians 3.16 says we speak to others in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Um, it is outward. It's directed toward others. There is something about us. We begin dealing with other people differently because the Spirit is moving and filling us and living within us. There is a different way of singing. Um, in other words, Scripture says you're going to be singing and making melody in your heart. Um, Did you know um, that one of the unique things about the church, the the Christian church, and you can check this out if you want to, um, but there's a uniqueness about the Christian church because we are the most singing group of people on the face of the planet. Ever talk to somebody who's come out of a cult? They come to know Christ and join the church? You know what they don't do in a cult? They don't sing. What's the Steve Martin song? Atheists ain't got no songs, right? Atheists ain't got no songs. They ain't got nothing to sing about. But I mean, but I mean, we are by nature designed to worship and praise, and so the singing is a part of who we are. Um, and when you are spirit filled, you have joy in your heart, and you worship God. Psalm ninety-two reminds us of that again. There's a different way of giving thanks. Because God's Spirit energizes us and we give thanks in everything. And so hear me very carefully. Spirit-filled women, uh, spirit-filled men, 
They do not fall into the category of grumblers, whiners, or complainers. And you got to be careful when that starts. Because you start complaining and griping, you give yourself away. That just lets people know that the Spirit's not really working right now in you. <laughs> and there are some folks that, that, boy, it's been quite a dry spell for the Holy Spirit. Because you have a different way of giving thanks. Your life is characterized by an attitude of gratitude. See, and most people will say, well, I'm thankful. Okay. What are you thankful for? And usually they can name a couple things. And so the next question is, well, why don't you act like it? See, when you're thankful, the focus isn't always on what you don't have. When you're thankful, it's, what you don't, it's not what you're missing. And when you're thankful, it's, it's an attitude of just taking inventory of what's there. Um, and, um, you know, was that, was that you? Okay. It's being thankful. Uh, there's also a different way of submitting. Uh, none of us like this one. Uh, the Bible says, giving thanks, give thanks to the Father, submit to one another in fear of, the, fear of God. You can look that up yourself later, figure out where that is. It's, it's like a scavenger hunt. Um, I don't want to ruin your night. But being a spiritual person isn't, means that you're not always looking to, 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 be, to one-up someone else, to beat someone else, to come out on top. When you're living by the Spirit, you are submitting your life to God and you're trusting what He said. What does He say? Well, you know, the first should be last. You, know, you want to be a servant? You know, that, that makes you great. I mean, it is, it is that, that, that refocusing of what it is that you do and why it is that you're doing it and allowing it to happen. We're getting ready to face a fear. A lot of work goes in behind the scenes. A lot of work of sweat equity goes into making the four nights happen. And it will be, I think we might get a break with the weather. It might be cool, but we're going to sweat. We're going to laugh. We're going to cut up. We're going to be tired. And we're going to drink water. We're going to think, oh, my gosh, I'm too old for this. I mean, and then we're going to think all these kind of things. And it's a repeated process. But at the end of the day, there's going to be, and it will happen in the next few weeks, and it's going to happen in the next couple of months. And all of a sudden, we're going to start hearing back from people. You know, I, I came to your silly little spook event, and then I came, I, I, I got to know Jesus. Well, that's why we did it. Oh, it, here's the deal. <laughs> it's, this, this is my favorite time of year and my most tired time of year because, oh, I can't tell you how many nights I leave the woods or leave wherever we're at, and I go home and think, man, there is, it would be easier not to do this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Saturday night. I said... I, yeah, I sat with a group of pastors about three weeks ago, and they asked what we were doing, and I'm listening to what they're doing. I'm like, you guys ain't doing nothing. <laughs> you guys hiring? Yeah. <laughs> Put my resume under, their, under the windshield wipers everywhere on the way out. You know? uh, I'm like, you guys, you guys do nothing. You, know, you guys do nothing. Um, but, but we submit, and we, 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 do, we do what he says. Because, see, you know, and if you've ever been through premarital counseling with me, um, we talk about submission, um, but there was an old story about a preacher who got carried away on that topic one Sunday morning in church and started telling, you know, the women in the church that they need to pay attention to what the Bible says, start submitting in the right way to their men, and they need to submit. And, 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 and when the guy got home after church, he was kind of full of what the preacher had said, and he looked at his wife, and he sat down in the living room, and he said, and I quote, woman, I got to talk to you. 
Because here I'm the boss. And you are nothing. (laughs) Got that? And she stood up and looked back at him and said, big deal. You're the boss over nothing. And walked out of the room. She heard what he said, right? And so, but at the end of the day, um, and they didn't talk about submission ever again. But at the end of the day, um, that's not what it talks. That's not what it's about. It's about allowing yourself to fall into the lordship of Christ and submitting to Him. And there's also then a different way of serving. You look for opportunities to serve, and you serve um, out of the fullness of what God has done and how He works. And so. I know that you will not remember all that. I know that you, I, I said it fast, so I have you another handout for you. The last handout of the night is called Fill Her Up. It's the last one of the series. Ghost Adventures is now done. So add this to the uh, list of stuff that we've talked about when we talked about uh, ghosts. Uh, uh, why don't you do the now watch? Uh, anyway, uh, but, uh, uh, the, uh, and, and so we have now kind of uh, added another dimension to the Holy Spirit study or library that we've done okay all right let's pray and get out of here i know that the kids will be back from taking pictures and i'm gonna walk in the woods and see how dark it is and take inventory one more time before i go home tonight let's pray god you are uh you're good and and i and i don't even really know how to express what it means to know that you live in me. <laughs> you know, that I'll cause each person in this room to um, breathe just a little bit deeper, slow down for a moment, and ponder the bigness of what that means. And to know that you will energize us and that you will fill us and you'll give us everything that we need in the moments that you place us in. I can't imagine trying to live life any other way. And for that, we just say thanks. Thanks. It's not a game. It's not about what brand of church you like. As Ken told us Sunday, it's what the Word says. The Word don't lie. And there's a reality to our life that makes us different. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh